everyone. This is Joe Turner, host of the City Manager Unfiltered podcast, the most talked about, most influential, and most impactful local government podcast in the nation, bar none, without equal. And this episode is sponsored by Pivot Group Municipal Services, one of the country's top executive search firms. Are you looking to replace a department head or fill a key staffer position? Then be sure to visit their website at pivotgroupmunicipalservices.com. You can go in the show notes, click on the link, and you can go visit their website to get a free proposal for your recruitment needs. They are the most reasonably priced service provider, and they can provide quality service to your organization at a fair price anywhere in the country. Before you sign on the dotted line with one of those so-called national firms that are going to charge you an arm and a leg for your recruitment needs, make sure you give Pivot Group Municipal Services a shot. Check them out at pivotgroupmunicipalservices.com. You won't be disappointed. Before we get into this episode, I would like to play for you an anonymous voicemail message that was left for me using the SpeakPipe app. If you'd like to leave a message for me, I can put it on the air. Just go to speakpipe.com slash CMU. That is speakpipe.com slash CMU. You can also go to citymanagerunfiltered.com, the podcast website, click on the contact page, and there's instructions there where you can leave me a message. If you'd like to leave me a message, an anonymous one or one using your name, go for it. If you want to sound off on the ICMA, you're more than welcome to do that too. And I'd love to put those messages on. So speakpipe.com slash CMU. And then here's the message. I never really saw the value of LinkedIn until I started reading Joe Turner's post. And it's not just the content and information that he provides. It's the information that I have learned from the people commenting on his post. You have people who agree and disagree, but all opinions are welcome. And so I think it's given me a better perspective and helped me navigate how I want to move about on my journey to become a city or county manager. All right, all right, all right. I'm Joe Turner, and this is the City Manager Unfiltered podcast, a podcast by a city manager for city managers and other public sector executives. And boy, has it been an interesting week, huh? Man, uh, I dropped some bombs with that uh, James Freed podcast interview. Uh, he exposed the ICMA and how he's been treated, how he's been abused, how he's being persecuted by the ICMA ethics team in the form of Jessica Cowles and Martha Perego. Absolutely shocking. The feedback I've received from that episode from other city managers has just been amazing. There's so many pissed off people. There's so many that are confused. I've received communication from several individuals who said that they are going to uh, resign their membership from the organization in protest of, of what they heard because they are embarrassed and angry and ashamed of how James Freed has been treated. I do know that individuals have been having conversations throughout the ICMA conference about the James Freed situation. I was told that in various regional meetups that ICMA staff were asked about the James Freed situation and there were no comments, met with silence. It's clear that the ICMA staff was given a directive that they should not comment in any way on this matter. And I guess they think that's going to get them through the process, or maybe they can just bury their head and keep their head down and, and, and wait it out. Don't think they know me too well, because <laughs> that ain't going to happen. Uh, I'm not going to just let it go away. Uh, I'm a junkyard dog on this type of stuff. So it is my business to make sure I keep pushing it to the forefront. And I can tell you that my audience has grown considerably. I mean, every day my audience gets larger, my platform gets larger, I get stronger, and more and more people are hearing the message. My numbers just absolutely blow away. 
the ICMAs numbers, right? So like, for example, on LinkedIn, I can see what type of engagement the ICMA gets with their posts. I can't see their impressions or their views, so I don't know what they're getting there, but I can see, for example, their engagement, the number of people who are commenting and liking and sharing their post. My posts over the last year have gotten twice the level of engagement. So they are around like, I think, 20,000, 19,000, 20,000, uh, and I'm at 41,000 or something like that. I'm getting literally twice their engagement, and I've had a fraction of their audience. I mean, they are a multi-million, $35 million a year organization. They got a $600,000 CEO and some dude in Kansas, Wichita, Kansas, is kicking their ass left and right on LinkedIn. I mean, it's just amazing. And you got to remember, I post stuff that's not even algorithm friendly, right? The algorithm responds to all that toxic positivity bullshit, things that's easily consumable with the memes and the leadership stuff that people like and, and can comment on. I'm posting stuff that people are afraid to even touch. And my audience is still twice the size of... ICMA boggles my mind that some people think the ICMA is this big 800 pound gorilla uh, when I'm exposing the fact that they're not. I mean, they got, I don't know. My podcast is crushing it. Uh, The James Freed episode is crushing it. I can tell you that based off of what I know about the ICMA podcast and their downloads and what's been shared publicly and what I've been doing research on, my numbers are absolutely crushing them. Um, Sorry, I am, you know, some dude, Wichita, Kansas, very little experience in the field, only been around for a few years, just absolutely throttling them. And then you go into the uh, ICMA conference here where I've been dropping bombs on LinkedIn, exposing all the shenanigans and, and just some of the craziness that's going on with ICMA staff and leadership. How, how is it that Mark Ott can stay silent on the fact that his chief of staff, the number two person in the organization, has been donating to political campaigns for years? I mean, this person is an ICMA member they're the, the chief executive officer's right-hand man, the chief of staff, and yet he has been violating the code of ethics for 15 years or whatever it is. I don't I think he's been a member since 2009. I got donations going back to 2008 and forward uh, while he was working for the city of Austin. I don't know. Just a lot of people were just want to stay quiet and pretend this is all going to go away, but it's not. And um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I will tell you. That uh, real quick, some of the negative feedback I've gotten, uh, I've had people suggest uh, or I've had people report back to me that uh, there's been chatter about me and the podcast and some people say I'm being too aggressive or, or, or whatnot. And I will tell you, well, I've been waiting eight, nine months to talk about this and I'm the only one that's been talking about it and I'm still really the only one talking about it. I only have a handful of people commenting on my post and what do you mean I'm getting aggressive? Why are you guys being so quiet? I put facts down. I've, I've dropped the receipts. I've shown you the data, the information. I mean, still no one's talking, not really, no one's really coming out and, and, and calling Mark Ott the task on his uh, chief of staff campaign, uh, dropping campaign donations. I mean, I got him dead to rights and I'm being aggressive. How about you guys quit being so weak? How about you start to stepping up and, and actually having the hard conversations? You're supposed to be chief executives. You're supposed to be, you know, executive officers leading organizations and no one wants to say anything. So yeah, I got to raise my voice. I got to get aggressive. I got to be the loudest guy in the room because I'm the only one really talking. You know, um, you got ICMA staff, leadership, senior staff donating to political candidates. You have them uh, getting political on LinkedIn or uh, political on their social media pages, clearly showing a bias. I think there's an anti-conservative bias that's going throughout the entire organization. And I think that's indicative of the fact that you have James Free that's being targeted 
through this personal and political vendetta. And then you have other individuals that are getting off scot-free. You have Eric Tungate in Michigan. He can go to a Gretchen Whitmer rally, endorse her publicly, speak on the stage, have it be broadcast on news reports, donate to her campaign, no public censure. James Street has the audacity to send out an Instagram post where he tags the governor because he's taking a little bit of a victory lap after he embarrassed her on a national stage and exposed the fact that her administration's burning documents, burning evidence, and shaking down small businesses over COVID, supposed COVID vaccine violations. But yet somehow James Freed is a central offense and Eric Tungate isn't. I mean, there's so much bias in this organization. It's not even funny. And I'm going to continue exposing it because I still have plenty more receipts to get to, right? You know, I'm, yeah, plenty more. We'll keep, we'll keep rolling. The longer the ICMA wants to bury its head in the sand, not take accountability, not take responsibility, not apologize for how it's treating one of our uh, one of its members, one of our peers, if it's going to continue rewarding Jessica Cowles, uh, rewarding Martha Perego with uh, salary increases and promotions, even though they're going on personal vendettas, then you're damn right I'm going to go after them. Why not? I told you guys in episode one of the podcast that I believe in advocacy for city managers, and I said that, hey, if I ever knock on your door, it means I'm going to put a hurting on you. Well, I'm knocking. Knock, knock. I'm going to put a hurting on you. Okay. So I'm not the one that asked for this fight. I'm not the one that went after James Freed. I'm not the one that started persecuting him over a, a personal vendetta. I'm just here trying to tip the scales and balance them out a little bit because it's just been him all by himself. And no one else that's listening to this podcast has really been saying anything either. So for all the people who are saying, hey, why is Joe being so aggressive? Why are you being so quiet? Why are you being so silent? Especially now. James Freed brought receipts. He brought receipts. He had a text message that shows uh, Pamela Antill and uh, William Frazier talking to each other, calling uh, James Freed a douchebag, talk about punch him in the face, right when he was appealing his uh, censure at the executive board meeting in Florida. They've never met him. They didn't know him from Adam. All they knew was what staff had told them and whatever was in the staff report. And some, and yet they wanted to punch him in the face and call him a douchebag. That was the uh, due process that James Freed was going to get. That was the fair and impartial hearing that he was going to get from a jury of his peers, supposedly professional city managers who are educated, who are uh, thoughtful, intellectual, who can look at uh, an issue comprehensively, weigh all the facts and make a measured and uh, just decision when it comes to their peers' professional livelihood, whether or not they're going to ruin the profession, whether or not they're going to ruin the reputation of one of their peers, they're going to try to destroy the career of one of their peers. This is what we're talking about: douchebags and punching people in the face via text messages. And let me ask this question: Why are we silent on this ICMA? Why are you not responding to that? Why hasn't the exec board come out with a statement and condemned the actions or, co- or the comments made by their peers? On the board, they have the ability to do that. They have the ability to be the grown-ups in the room and be accountable, take accountability, like Karen Pinko said. Supposedly, uh, the organization's all about in her 2019 speech at the uh, conference. She talked about the ICMA being uh, a stand-up organization that separates itself and differentiates itself from everybody else because a leading it's a leading organization in the field in local government because of the code of ethics and its high degree of accountability. Where's that accountability? Antill and Frazier still have not apologized. They have not made one public or private apology to James Freed for what they did. They haven't apologized. The executive board hasn't held them accountable. 
what are we talking about? What is the silence for? I can tell you, I can promise you that the drumbeat is going to keep going, that I'm not going to stop because the ICMA needs to be held accountable for what they've done to James Freed. Okay. Now maybe, Hey, maybe I'll have egg on my face. Maybe James Freed has lied to me. Maybe he has not told me the, the full story. Maybe he's uh, withheld details. Maybe there's more to the story as Bill Frazier likes to talk about. He's repeatedly said that there's more to the story. You know, I posted about James Freed back in January and Bill Frazier said, well, you know, there's two sides to every story and you're only hearing one side and you guys need to be adults and be professional and let the process play out and hear all the facts. I'm paraphrasing. Well, if that's true, then why the hell did you vote for the censure when you were the CPC member, Bill, and then opt not to vote for the censure when it came to the exec board for the hearing, for the repeal hearing? If there's two sides of the story and there's more to the, if there's more to it, then why did you flip-flop? Because what you're basically saying, if I'm going out and criticizing the ICMA or highlighting the ICMA and saying there needs to be a further look or a deeper dive into this, uh, because I think James Freed is being uh, wronged, and you say that there's more to the story, then why did you ultimately vote to not censure James Freed? It, there's a contradiction there. And then you fast forward to this past week when I started posting about uh, your text messages. He still wants to argue that there's more to the story and, and what have you. Well, what do you mean? You voted not to censure ultimately. If there's more to the story, why did you do that? So there really isn't more to the story. We know the full story is in those depositions in the discovery. And so far, James Freed has quoted uh, multiple sections from the discovery uh, or uh, from, the de- from the depositions and referenced documents from the discovery period. Why doesn't the ICMA release documents? Why does the ICMA release what they have, their depositions? I'll tell you why. They're going to get dragged. They're going to get dragged and it's going to be a bloodbath in court. James Freed is going to, James Freed and his attorneys are going to drag the hell out of ICMA when they get to court. If you think that uh, the the worst thing that he's got, I, I can only imagine, if you think that the worst thing he's got is a text exchange between two exec board members where they're saying he's a, uh, James Freed is a douchebag and they want to punch him in the face, I can only imagine what else. I mean, think about that. If you're that confident and cocky to put that in a text message, what else is out there, Right. He already talked about uh, the email where Martha Perego greenlit uh, Freed after he sent out that vaccine email to the staff, right? He said, and I don't exactly have that exact quote in front of me, but paraphrasing, Martha Perego sent an email to Jessica Cowles, her subordinate, and she said, nobody this unprofessional should be a part of the ICMA. She greenlit, she greenlit James Freed. The message was clear. Go get him. Jessica, you need to go get this guy. He does not believe he does not belong in the organization and you need to make sure we get him taken out. And by the way, it wasn't too much of a stretch for Jessica to want to do that. Right. She was already pissed off at James because he recorded the phone call back in 2018 when she tried to set him up. So that would that didn't take much pushing and urging on her part. But the, but the message was clear. Right. It's just incredible to think that this whole thing started because James Freed 
sent a letter, a polite and professional letter, simply asking the ethics guru, the ethics expert, right? The person who lectures everybody all the time about tenant seven and about not being political and about other aspects of the code of ethics. He sent her a letter and simply asked her to change her handle or to delete the political post and not do it anymore. And that was after he reached out to her multiple times before and she never responded. He tried to, he tried to, he tried to get her to change her ICMA handle, her ICMA ethics handle, before he even sent the letter to her to to her NCC Mark Ott on it. And yet somehow he's the bad guy. I mean, this is just absolutely mind-boggling, right? Oh my lord! And then you have Jessica. Oh boy, she's a peach. All right, so you have Jessica Cowles. She's going to investigate James Freed. Because he reported Perego's political activity using the ICMA ethics handle. And the whole guise was, okay, so this is what the rundown was. Mark Ott referred the letter that, that James Freed had sent to him and Perego, the Perego letter. He referred it apparently to the CPC. And then on top of that, the MME, the Michigan Municipal Executives Association, they basically sent an email or whatever into the CPC asking the, the, the ICMA to take a look at it. Just an inquiry. They didn't, they didn't allege an a, a ethics violation. They said, hey, can you take a look at this? Because essentially some people might be, you know, have some, some questions about whether or not James Freed's post on the, link ser- on the listserv uh, where he posted the letter to Prego might have violated the confidentiality rules, right? So how is it that Jessica Cowles, who's the one that's in charge of receiving the formal complaints, right, into the CPC, she doesn't know, apparently, that James Freed didn't send in the formal complaint. He never made a formal complaint. If you listen to the 28-minute phone call I put in the last episode, James Freed made it clear after they exchanged pleasantries, uh, within the first 10 seconds, he said, I didn't file a complaint against uh, Perego. He's like, I didn't, even know she was a, I didn't even know she was an ICMA member. He didn't know she was even subject to the Code of Ethics. He simply sent in a letter, which was in generic forms a complaint, but it wasn't a formal ethics complaint. Why the MME responded and suggested an inquiry? I have my suspicions. I think Martha Perego worked that angle. I think Martha Perego was trying to get some sort of complaint sent into the ICMA so they could interject themselves in and go after Freed. How else do you explain Jessica Cowles taking four and a half months to complete an investigation into James Freed for supposedly violating confidentiality rules when they have all the complaints? The timeline's very easy to figure out. Okay, option one, did he, did he make a formal complaint? And if so, did he post that information somewhere and violate confidentiality rules? In this situation, he did not post a formal complaint. We already established that. So then the other possible option is, well, did somebody else make a formal complaint? And then did Free talk about that in a public area or on the list server, whatever that would have violated the confidentiality rules? No, the timeline would be very clear. His listserv comments were before Mark Ott even referred the letter to the CPC. So how does that take four and a half months? I'll tell you how it takes four and a half months when you're trying to get somebody, right? You're trying to drag them through and you're trying to find something to get them on, right? Otherwise, why wouldn't you just close it out and be done with that for four and a half seconds, okay? And why did Mark Ott let Jessica Cowles even run with that investigation? If you are the ICMA and you supposedly pride yourself on the code of ethics, why would you allow Jessica Cowles to investigate the person who complained about her boss and think that that is legitimate. 
Why? It defies all reason. It defies all logic. In fact, the rules for procedure clearly state in it that the mere appearance of, of conflict of interest is enough to basically force some sort of change. There should have been a different process. Somebody else should have been brought in to investigate uh, Freed. And they would have determined in four and a half seconds because apparently Jessica's too dumb to do it herself. I, I don't know what it is. You tell me, is she a moron or does she have an axe to grind? I'm willing to take both options. You know, if you tell me she's a moron, okay, I guess I can roll with that. But to me, it seems like she had an axe to grind. It seemed like this was a political vendetta. So what's going on there? Then we're going to do a quick hit on the second investigation. The second investigation was loosely based on the idea that James Freed was generally political. And the general idea was that because he had taken pictures with local and state elected officials and posted them on a social media page, that somehow he was being political. Now, taking a picture with an elected official is not prima facie evidence that there was a violation. And if this organization supposedly believes in the idea that city managers are innocent until proven guilty, why would that be enough to open an investigation? Now, if somebody wants to send in those pictures, I personally think that they should send in those pictures with evidence that those pictures were taken at political events. Maybe it was a political rally or a fundraiser or something like that. And then you can make an argument that potentially James Freed was endorsing those individuals. But just sending pictures in of a, a city manager with an elected official does not seem to me on the face of it to be proof that a violation occurred. Now, city managers are professionals. They're executives. They're busy people. Why in the hell... Are we allowing and accepting the idea that a ICMA ethics advisor or investigator is going to call a city manager and then start badgering them with questions before they've even gone to the length themselves of investigating the original complaint to find out if there was any violation on its face? My understanding is that if the violation is not clear, if there's no evidence, if there's no evidence, if true, presented to demonstrate that it's a violation then why is the investigator even beginning the investigation? Why is Jessica even getting involved? And how does this turn into a nine-month investigation on, a, on some pictures on a social media platform? How is that a nine-month investigation? It shouldn't be, unless you're trying to, you know, wield a personal vendetta and you're trying to get somebody, right? Shouldn't, at a bare minimum, if you're, at a bare minimum, I think you should just dismiss the complaint because it's not a valid complaint, right? It's not, the, you know, I submitted a complaint this week to Jessica Cowles on Ray Beret, right? And not only did I make an allegation, I made two allegations actually, but I gave evidence on the face of it that is clearly a violation. I demonstrated that Ray had made campaign contributions, right? So unless there's two Ray Berets working for the city of Austin as a chief of staff for Mark Ott, which I don't think there were, I don't know. AI didn't exist back then. So maybe unless we're talking about the AI version of, of Ray Beret filling out a campaign finance report, sending in a donation, then that is a violation on its face. I present real evidence, okay? I present real receipts. I don't just manufacture something to try to get somebody because I have a personal vendetta or an ax to grind or a, a score to settle, okay? So Cowles should have investigated these pictures herself if, if she was even going to get to that point 
and try to ascertain whether or not those pictures were taken at a political rally. And if she can't ascertain whether or not they were taken at a political rally, then there's no evidence that even that's even worthy of suggesting an investigation is needed and that you need to contact a city manager and waste their time. This whole idea that a city manager is innocent until proven guilty, but someone can make some weird uh, uh, complaint with vague allegations and then somehow it becomes incumbent on the city manager to answer pages of questions of nonsense that is not what innocent until proven guilty means to me. So that should be corrected. Let's fast forward to the third complaint, the one they finally got freed on, right? Because they were going to get him eventually, and they got him. I already alluded to the fact that Martha Perego sent an email to Cowles greenlighting him, right? So we knew, we, we know the fix was in, okay? Mark Ott knew that there were issues between Freed and Perego because obviously he was not only a, a recipient of the letter, Back in 2018, he was involved in a call with Freed where this was discussed. And he also sent a letter back to Freed stating that he had counseled Perego, which is what he considers discipline, right? I see my discipline as we, we counsel somebody. We have some sort of verbal counseling session. And never mind the fact that she's the ethics guru, right? The, the pinnacle of ethics, the ethics expert, as she, uh, she puts on her own LinkedIn page. She goes in and engages in political activity on Twitter, but it only deserves a counseling. She didn't even get a she didn't even get a pay deduction. She got a pay raise. If you look at the form 990s, there was no punishment whatsoever. What an absolute scam, right? But anyway, he knows that Perego and and uh, Freed are at odds, and he has to know that Cowles wasn't happy that Freed uh, recorded the conversation because it was in writing or verbally stated. Well, I forget exactly the details on it, but we all know that Mark Ott had to know that. So why is Cowles on the third investigation now being allowed to investigate Freed? There's a complete conflict of interest there. We know there's even the appearance of conflict of an interest. Why, why is that allowed? Why is Mark Ott, the $600,000 CEO of the organization, allowing a city manager, one of his peers, to get railroaded by an ethics investigation? That's a total sham. Why is that? Why do you think that was allowed? Why wasn't an independent investigation group or committee brought in to look into the freed allegations? Why, why was the, why wasn't the investigation into freed referred back to the state for a fact finding committee? Like it was supposed to, why did they violate their own rules? I mean, you have the ethics or you have an organization that it's always trumpeting ethics and they're violating their own ethics and rules of procedure left and right. It's a total sham. And, and, and people want to ask why I'm being so aggressive. <laughs> why are you being so quiet? Why are you being so silent? Why are you accepting this? Why are you accepting this charade? Right? And then the, the compound even more, he goes to the appeal hearing and the dice were already loaded against him. You have members already want to, you know, come a douchebag and punch him in the face. Like that's actually really due process. Oh my gosh. Incredible. This episode is sponsored by Pivot Group Municipal Services, one of the country's top executive search firms. Are you looking to replace a department head or a key staffer? Be sure to visit their website at pivotgroupmunicipalservices.com or look in the show notes for a link to their site where you can get a free proposal. They are the most reasonably priced service provider. They can provide quality service to your organization at a fair price anywhere in the country. So before you sign up with one of those expensive firms that's going to charge you $25,000 for a recruitment, Check out Pivot Group Municipal Services at pivotgroupmunicipalservices.com. Did you hear that? That's the first advertiser in the history of the City Manager Unfiltered podcast, and I'm pretty stoked about it. So if you're looking to recruit a department head uh, before you reach out to 
one of the larger organizations, give Pivot Group Municipal Services a call. Reach out to them, see what they can do. Um, they're very reasonably priced, and uh, they won't screw you over like Baker Tilly, right? And they're not going to screw over your candidates like Baker Tilly. They will actually communicate with the candidates and treat your candidates with respect, right? Keep them clued into the process. Baker Tilly is an outfit that no city manager listening to this podcast should be hiring for any work whatsoever, whether it's in public sector executive recruitment or on consulting services. Okay, I've talked about this before in LinkedIn posts. Uh, they have uh, staffers who are going out and talking about how employees who don't pad their hours are getting fired. Uh, you can't trust Baker Tilly, in my opinion, to treat you right and to do right by you. And they don't deserve your business. So stand up with your peers, stand for your peers, and stop giving them business. They do not deserve it. Okay. I wanted to close out the James Free discussion with the following. You know, this entire time for eight, nine months, I've been the only one talking about Freed. I've been the only one banging the drum in his favor on his behalf. And, uh, you know, the the executive board, Marcot, they have an asymmetrical information advantage, right? They have asymmetrical information. They know a lot more about the story than I do. They have the depositions. They were there. They have the staff report I've never read. They have all that stuff, right? They have all that stuff and they won't release the depositions because they're scared. But here's the deal. I will make a bet. I will make a $10,000 bet of my own money. I will offer this up to any executive board member or Mark Ott. I will offer this bet. $10,000. Put up or shut up. Fraser talks about there being more information out there that we don't know about, right? I will bet you $10,000 that the ICMA is going to settle with James Freed or go to court, go to trial, lose horribly, and they're going to cut a check to Freed for something in excess of $500,000. That's what that's my bet. I'm going to bet you $10,000, whoever wants to take me up on it, that the ICMA cuts a check to James Freed for $500,000 or more. I'm not going to even say 100000 or even some settlement with uh, uh, any amount. I'm not going to take the chicken way out. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is that I've been talking about. $10,000. In my last job, I was making $100,000 a year. I was making less than $10,000 a month. Mark Ott makes more than $10,000 a week. This guy's making like $11,000, $12,000 a week. This is chump change. Mark, why don't, you, why don't you take my bet? Take my bet. Let's go out there. You don't need to talk. You don't need to make any, you know, none of you guys want to talk about this, right? The sound of silence. Nobody wants to uh, confront this issue. Everyone wants to bury their head. You can talk without talking. I'm going to give you this opportunity. Make a bet with me. $10,000. If you win, I pay you $10,000. If I win, you pay me $10,000. I'm pretty sure I'm going to win this bet. Okay. So you have asymmetrical information. You know all the details. You got all the depositions, all the discovery. You know what you sent to Mar- uh, you know what you sent to Freed's camp. You know what you got from Freed's camp. I don't have this information, but I'm very confident based on what I've seen so far and what I've heard and my trust in what James Freed has told me on the podcast and his quote quoting from the depositions and from the discovery docs. You're gonna get dragged, and I'm willing to bet ten thousand dollars on it. So none of you guys can speak, Bill, right? You can't speak on it. Pamela Antill can't speak on it. None of these other executive board members can speak on it. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to acknowledge it. Everyone wants to bury their head in the sand. Here's a way you can talk without speaking. Take me up on the bet. Who wants some? I'm here for it. You want some? Come get it. $10,000. That's a good chunk of change. And I'm not bullshitting you. I'm, a, I'm talking about legit $10,000. Anybody who wants it, come get it. You take that bet. 
You're so confident in the IC Mays position. You think that they're going to win? You think that James Freed is a douchebag, should be punched in the face, that he's unethical, that he deserves to be censured, have his career ruined, his reputation ruined? You want to threaten to take food off his, his uh, family's table? You want to threaten his livelihood? You want to go after him? Take me up on the bet. And I keep coming back to people saying, why is he so aggressive? Why are you guys so quiet? You're okay with being quiet while this organization tries to ruin someone, literally tries to take a man's career and take food off his table. And you're okay with that? You, you, you just think, oh, maybe Joe should be Mr. Nice Guy. You think Mr. Nice Guy is going to get any attention in this business? That's not how this works. I am at an asymmetrical information disadvantage, and I'm at an asymmetrical resource disadvantage. You, you think I get traction by writing nice letters to the, to the CEO? What do, what do you guys think? Huh? What, what do you think happens in this environment? Who stands up for James? Who stands up for Freed? Right? Who's going to stand up for him? So there you go, $10,000. Who wants it? Come get it. I don't think I'm going to have any takers. Matter of fact, I know I'm not going to have any takers. I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone on the exec board has any balls to take a $10,000 bet with me. And they have all the information that I don't have. So you tell me, who, who's going to win this battle, Freed or the ICMA? So stay tuned. And before I go, please uh, consider rating and reviewing this podcast. I'm sure I'm going to get lots of positive reviews by some of the ICMA nut huggers after this one. Uh, so, but if you are a fan of the podcast and you like what I'm doing, and you like the fact that I'm bringing out these issues and I'm talking about the things that nobody else will talk about, then why don't you put a rating down? Why don't you give me a review and uh, help me out? It's a, it's a very small ask on my part, considering the amount of time I invest in this and the amount of risk I take with uh, putting my opinions out there. I had somebody <laughs> jokingly tell me that I should put uh, an Apple tag in uh, my clothing in case I get uh, snatched up. And then I had another city manager say that uh, I might get shanked one of these days. So uh, anyway, till next time, talk to you later. This is the City Manager Unfiltered Podcast, a podcast by a city manager for city managers and other public sector executives. See you next time.